keep peace. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome again to what is, I don't know, I'm counting, I'm not counting anymore, uh, probably we're around like 10 episodes, probably, uh, of Wag the Dog FM, your weekly rendezvous about European public relations, although this week we're going a bit further than Europe, uh, we're going to what is called, with a beautiful word, the Levant, uh, and the area around that, so we're uh, going to talk with Rana, who hails from Jordan, and uh, we'll be talking about uh, social intelligence. So Rana uh, started out her career as a broadcast journalist with uh, Jordan Television. Then she worked with CNN during the first Gulf War. Uh, she moved later on to the Royal Hashemite Court, where she worked on the uh, for the International Media Department of uh, His Majesty the, the King, uh, that was Hussein at the time, for two years. And then she worked 18 years for the British Embassy in Amman. And she was leading there the communications and public relations division. So you see a colleague with a huge amount of uh, international um, experience. And uh, today she specializes in what is called cultural and uh, social intelligence, where we're going to look at how culture and social background of people influence the way that we communicate. And most of you will say, well, yes, we know that things are different, you know, in that part of the country or that part of the country or that part of the globe. But you'll see that there are a lot of things that we are missing most of the time. Uh, and Ryan and I will be talking about, and mostly she will be talking about, how we first have to take into account our own culture and then discover those lenses with which we look at other cultures and take all those things into account. So it's, it's, a, it's a discussion about uh, communicating on an international scale, a regional scale. It's about internal, external, focusing on culture and social aspects. Hope you enjoy it. Good. Hi, Rana. Welcome on the uh, Wag the Dog podcast. How are you? I'm very well. Glad to be here. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, I think your um, the topic we are going to discuss is uh, is something that I at least find very interesting. And I saw that at the conference where we met that there was a lot of interest as well because it was a very international conference. Uh, so we'll be talking about you know cultural differences and then how that is relevant in the context of communications. Rana, tell me just briefly, how did you get into this specialism? Because it's not given for everyone to, to be interested in those kind of things. I mean, a lot of people work with training people on cultural differences in comms, but, uh, but yours is a, is a very uh, specific uh, way in, I think. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I started my career in journalism mm -hmm. uh, and then switched to uh, communications. So I headed the um, international press office for His Majesty King Hussein for a couple of years and then moved over to the British Foreign Office and headed the communications department, everything to do with communications at the British Embassy in Amman for about 18 years. Part of Everything that I did, all of my work experience in communications, I realized how important the cultural awareness and cultural element was in absolutely everything that we did. Um, from when we, when I was at the royal court dealing with the international media that were covering certain events, it was during uh, just after the first Gulf War and just after the Madrid peace process started. Um, I found myself having to explain uh, things that seemed very basic and very straightforward to me, but I had to explain them to uh, foreign journalists in in much more detail. 
where I thought that there were things that we thought meant the same thing, words and concepts that meant the same thing to everybody, we thought. It, it turned out that it didn't. Mm -hmm. Can you give a, 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 a practical example of something uh, like that? Oh, yes. Um, for example, the concept of trust. Mm -hmm. We think that trust means the same thing to everybody, uh, but it doesn't at all. In the in the cultures where honor is the main driver for behavior, when I say I trust you, it means I trust you will do the honorable thing. Mm -hmm. In cultures where it's all about being right and wrong, so innocence, guilt is the main uh, 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 motivator for behavior. Mm -hmm. When I say I trust you, it means I trust you will do the right thing. And the right thing and the honorable thing are far apart. They are not the same thing at all. Trust means different things in different mm -hmm. cultures. If we go back to, again, the, the cultures where fear is, uh, is one of the power and fear are among the motivators for behavior, I trust you means I trust that you will protect me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when you're saying the basis of what is happening here you have a, a model right you have is is can you split up types of people without being of course generalistic but when you say you know where honor plays a, a huge role or where power plays a huge role is there a kind of a split up of or system or methodology behind that yeah a lot of sociologists and culturalists have uh, come up with different theories and models uh, where they've divided uh, people uh, uh, in terms of cultures according to certain motivators of behavior or certain ways of doing things. Um, one of those is has been developed by a, a sociologist, Roland Muller, who worked with the Bedouins and did a lot of research there. And then another company called KnowledgeWorks took up that theory and developed it further and applied it to the business world. Mm -hmm. And they call it the three colors of worldview, where they divided the the world according to it's not just it, it's not the world it's cultural behavior yeah. culturally motivated behavior uh, according to three colors of worldview so uh, uh, according to the main motivator of behavior and the, these three colors are the uh, uh, honor shame mm -hmm. the, it's the the main motivator of behavior is to safeguard your honor and avoid shame the other is innocence guilt which is to basically uh, the how important being right opposed to being wrong. And then the third one is power fear. Uh, it, it, it's quite a very interesting theory. It, it, I, I don't think we have enough time to go into that. But for those re, uh, mm -hmm. listeners who are interested, you can actually follow it. Uh, Roland Muller did the, the first initial uh, um, research and then it was taken up by KnowledgeWorks and developed further. Yeah, we'll put some links in the uh, show notes so that people can find that information. Yes, back. Yeah. there are others. There's the Lewis model. Uh, there's, there are other models that have divided how uh, ways of simplifying how we can understand the, the cultural differences in terms of how people... Uh, view certain things, uh, how people approach certain tasks, uh, what is considered to be right and wrong, what's appropriate mm -hmm. and what's not. I can imagine that has an impact on different aspects of communications. It definitely has an impact on face-to-face -face communications when you're meeting people from another culture. 
uh, or, or simply where, you know, as you said uh, in your examples, things have a different meaning or slightly a different meaning. In communications in particular, it, has, it, it affects in everything that we do. Um, in some cultures, it is uh, acceptable, for example, to do business uh, via email. Mm -hmm. You can just do send an email and, and everything works. In other cultures, in the Arab culture in particular, for example, that doesn't work. It's face-to-face -face is very important. Mm -hmm. The relationship is very important. People need to get to know you first. Um, so understanding that culture, even when you're, if you're in communications and PR and you're trying to do a PR campaign, um, you need to know what makes, what's important for those people, what, how they view the world, what's, con what's considered appropriate, what's not, and how the best way to actually approach them. Yeah. And in, in, given your example of trust, for instance, it's even about the wording. So it even goes down to a text you're writing, a press release you're writing. Uh, internal communications again. Uh, it's not just, I mean, we're not only talking here about, you know, how to behave uh, when you're meeting people from a different culture. It's, it's much deeper, right? It's much, much deeper, definitely. Uh, when I worked with the, with the British Embassy, my main job was to check that they, they, there is no cultural misunderstanding. You know, the cultural element of absolutely everything that we did was taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. So every press release, every event that we did, even when the ambassador wanted to visit a place, uh, how he behaved, what he said, uh, the timing, certain words that were used, uh, everything was, was, had to have a, a cultural element in it. Let me give you another example that we did, and it was something that we were planning for a visit, for a VIP visit. Mm -hmm. And we were going through the program for that visit. Um, part of it, so there, we had some uh, a very senior, a senior uh, government minister from the UK, along with his team, were visiting Jordan. Uh, and so we planned their pro a visit program, which included... Uh, an element where they would go to a certain place outside of the capital Amman and to open a venue there. Uh, British government officials, because the, everything they travel uh, is paid for by taxpayers' mm -hmm. money, so they were very conscious about the time that they spend and, of course, that they it, their schedule had to be completely full. And efficient and, and well-organized. And yeah. very efficient, <laughs> of course, and very efficient and very organized. And so uh, lunch for them was basically a sandwich in the car mm -hmm. on the way from one meeting to the other. But for the Arab culture, mm. uh, lunch meant hospitality, and hospitality carried with it a lot of cultural meanings. It wasn't about the food. It was about showing respect. Mm -hmm. It was about honoring the guest and hospitality is vital, is a vital mm -hmm. part of that honor culture. And so we told them that part of the, the, uh, their program was that they were going to have to have lunch uh, with one of those officials. They didn't want to waste that time. They thought, don't forget about it. We'll just have a sandwich in the car. But we told them that it was not about that, that they could not mm -hmm. cancel that. And even if it meant being late to their next appointment, that that had to be part of their program. Luckily, they were open enough to actually accept our uh, our advice, and uh, they were later very glad to have accepted it. Because um, had they cancelled that lunch, 
uh, it would have caused uh, some kind of tension in the relationship. Yeah, it yeah, would right. have of, uh, caused offense mm-hmm. to their hosts, and they didn't even know that they were causing offense. For them, they were being efficient. They were being yeah. practical, and that was, you know, being very professional about it. But for their hosts' culture, it was about uh, honor and respect for their mm-hmm. guests. Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean eating uh, and inviting people as a as a huge meaning in in those countries. Um, we see that my wife and I, when we go to Morocco, we spend a lot of time visiting friends over there because we are invited, and you you almost have to go <laughs> uh, because yes. it's expected and because it's the right thing to do, and uh, and it's fun. I mean, we love to eat, but you know, I, I understand uh, where yeah. it's a difference with the British uh, yeah. environment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it touches on what is what we consider to be a waste of time, or mm. what we consider to be a, a good use of time. Um, that's another cultural difference. Sure. So the time that is spent in small talk and uh, just building that relationship is never time uh, wasted in our part of the world. But in other cultures, they would mm-hmm. might see it as n- not efficient or not efficient use of time. Where does that interest come from? Because I've worked for for bigger organizations where you know which were multinational. So at one point in time, you get a bit of training, like you know how to work with. Uh, but it's online training, it's e-learning, and that's it. Here, you're, you're telling me that the British Diplomatic Service put a lot of time and resources in that. It, where does that awareness come from? Of course, through, through history, they know the area, and they, they, I think they are one of those people who understand other people, specifically in the Arab world, because they have a history there. But but I don't see other organizations do that. I mean, I is is that something that you see? Are there differences in the attitude, in the it, it, openness? Oh, yes, it varies. It varies. And um, it is a a conscious effort. And it is something that people need to be aware of. It's the kind of thing that you don't know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of thing that you could easily fall into the trap of thinking that you know it by just reading a list of do's and don'ts that you get yeah. off a, yeah. of the internet. Mm-hmm. And then you think, okay, well, I've spent some time there. I visited. I know I know mm-hmm. what to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just common sense. It's not so common sense, actually, uh, because it, it begins with uh, a, an honest and deep look inside yourself first, a look, an honest look at your own culture, the, the, the glasses through which you view the world, what you consider to be right and wrong and appropriate and un- inappropriate. Mm-hmm. After that, after you've got that level of, of self-awareness and understanding, then you are able to correctly um, anticipate other people's behavior to correctly interpret that behavior because then you're, you're, you understand that, that you're judging according to your own values and beliefs. Mm-hmm. So once you do that, then you're allowed to, you're able to properly or correctly interpret that behavior and then adjust your own behavior to suit the culturally motivated behavior of others. That doesn't come naturally. It is, it is a conscious effort for you to be what we call culturally intelligent mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a cultural learner to be open to seeing that, um, that your way is not necessarily the only way and it is not the right way and that others, it's not right we and them. It's not right and wrong. It's just different. Yeah. But to be able to see that difference and to, 
to really accept it at a at a higher intelligent level um, is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. And I've seen it. I've worked with diplomats who are career diplomats, who you think that they would be, and not just in the British uh, diplomatic service, in other European countries, mm-hmm. in the US is a lot as well. And you would think that they are, uh, it's part of their bread and butter, it's part of their work, that they should be culturally intelligent. But the kind of mistakes that are being done and the kind of misunderstandings um, are huge, mm-hmm. huge. And they're very simple things, very simple misunderstandings that create a lot of tension, a lot of diplomatic crisis, a lot of broken businesses, mm-hmm. just because of the simple cultural misunderstandings. Yeah, and, and again, in communication, it touches on, on different things. It touches on the words that you're using, how you behave physically. Uh, sometimes it has to do with colors. I'm just teaching a course on marketing uh, management in uh, in Casablanca, where I'm talking about color use, for instance, where in Japan, white and black is something that you never use in advertising. Or let's say green, for instance, in, in, in your area, for instance, as well. So it's it's not only so we're talking about language, we're yeah. talking about the written word, talking about images, so so you know, color use, all these things. So it's it's not just as you say, learning a couple of tricks and then go in there and think you know the, no. the environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because we, we you know, we are always communicating. In everything that you we do, we are communicating a message. In my choice choice of clothes, in how I appear, my appearance in my body language, in my tone of voice, in the words that I choose, I'm constantly communicating a message. We need to be aware of that. And we need to be aware if are we actually communicating the message that we intend to, or is there something else that is coming across? Yeah. And or could people misinterpret what, what we are saying or, exactly. or behaving exactly. or doing? And right. that's where mm-hmm. the cultural element mm-hmm. comes in where we think this is normal. For for example, let me tell you another example, which is for an American business person, an American person, it's very uh, considered the norm and polite to actually, to do, when you're doing some small talk, when you first meet a person, um, you would ask about the family and the wife. Mm -hmm. So it's it's considered very polite and it's considered normal, kind of safe, small talk. Mm -hmm. If you almost anywhere across the Arab world, especially in the more conservative Gulf countries, if you ask about the wife, it's a no-no. You never, ever ask about no. the wife. The wife is very private. Yeah. Um, and so you I, you find somebody who comes in but and, and he talks to another, his counterpart here. He is uh, Harvard educated. He's smart. He's wearing a suit. He speaks perfect English. And so the American person would think, okay, I can relate to this person. Mm-hmm. He's like me. He looks like me. Yeah, he, he speaks, speaks like, like me. me. <laughs> so and then so he must think like me. Yeah. And then that's where the 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 crack happens, mm-hmm. and that's where the misunderstandings happen, and that's where the relationship breaks. Mm-hmm. So in in cultural uh, terms, we say if it, it looks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, mm-hmm. it is not necessarily <laughs> a duck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. What is your uh, advice to communications people or, or, you know, people who are working on campaigns or communications in cultures that they 
maybe do not know. Maybe they've done research. I mean, if they're good communicators, they did at least some basic research and, and, and you know, have their own people on the ground and, and networking and input. But what, what is what is generally, what are maybe the, the mistakes that you see and maybe the advice that you give? Um, the mistakes is when they come in and they apply uh, something that worked somewhere else. Mm-hmm. For example, a firm comes in from Europe or from the U.S., and they come to uh, one of the Arab countries and they think, okay, right, we we will teach these locals. They don't know much anyway, so we are the experts. We know how to do this. We know better. We'll just teach them, and we know this works because we've tried it. It might have worked somewhere else. It doesn't necessarily mean that it will mm-hmm. work here. And you need to have the input of local people, Mm -hmm. local experts, uh, because somebody local will have those very subtle reasons and uh, innuendos and and the very subtle things about how things work and why they do and why they don't. Yeah, that's why we say that all communications is local. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. All communications is local, yeah. Exactly. So... uh, and I'm sure this is basics. I mean, this is this is one on one for anyone who works in communications that it's working in another culture. Is that it, there are things that are very particular to each culture, um, and there are things that you you will not read in a book, and you will not get out of just research reading mm-hmm. on the internet. These are things that are known by the people on the ground. They're things that they feel will work or feel that they will not work. So use that kind of intelligence that you have, the local intelligence that you have, because that is invaluable. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, when you say local people will know things and they will feel that in a, in a very much data-driven world uh, where we yeah. measure everything or we think we can measure everything, of course, um, that is, of course, something that maybe is not high on the top of the list. Um, although I've seen much more now interest in when we look at social media or online communications, where we definitely see differences within Europe, southern part, northern part, um, differences in use between countries, France and Germany, you know, we would think mm-hmm. we're all Europeans and on online in the same way, but it's totally different. So, um, I can get, I can imagine that it's, uh, that it's important to look at those things as well. Uh, you, you, you're, you're talking about the, um, the Arab world because that's a world you know yourself very well. Um, within that same world, which is a huge world and different countries, but there must be differences as well. Of course, yes, of course. Um, we, as Arabs, we're, we don't like to be lumped into one yeah. entity as, as, as the, like Arab, the Arab world. <laughs> yes, like the Europeans, I'm sure. And that we do have, of course, there's there are differences between each country. Having said that, uh, there is a commonality Mm-hmm. And a common thread and a, a kind of a common foundation that does tie all of the Arab countries together. Uh, and that's th- that we can call the Arab culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is based in the Bedouin culture in, in some areas, although some other countries were, are more urban than, yeah. than Bedouin origin, uh, but also the Islamic, mm-hmm. uh, religion and the Islamic culture also has sort of uh, a commonality that ties across the different Arab countries. But each country, and then you've got the different regions. So you've got the Maghrib, uh, which mm-hmm. is the the north uh, 
African Arab countries, Morocco, Tunisia, Libya, and Algeria. And then you've got the Levant, which is Lebanon, Syria, uh, Jordan, and Palestine. And they they share uh, a certain culture and history as well. Uh, and then you've got uh, the Gulf countries mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the Arabian Peninsula, and they, they share uh, similarities as yeah. well. So it, within it, there's a lot of divisions, but and there are differences. So, for example, if you like on the social setting in terms of the conservatism and liberalism in socially, uh, on one end of the scale is Beirut and on the other end yeah. of the scale is Riyadh, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but then if you understand, uh, there are some basic commonalities mm-hmm. uh, that do tie the whole of the Arab world together. And if you understand those, then you'd be able to um, uh, enjoy and understand and adjust to the differences in each mm-hmm. uh, country. Mm-hmm. Well, you could say... Probably the, the same thing of uh, of Europe. When we go back, we have the same cultural base from long time ago, Greek Roman Empire, and then of course Catholicism, and same values probably all over the place, uh, with a bit of differences like like in the Arab world as well. And then you have the cultural differences, the language differences, and the ways how people behave, and and the importance of uh, of uh, good food or not good food, or or as you <laughs> said, you know. Uh, that it, it's it's all those small things that make that we really need to look at our communications in very local places, even in in the same country. I mean, I'm living here in Belgium, three different uh, languages, uh, three different cultures, uh, mm-hmm. and then of course Brussels, which is very international. So even in 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 our little small country, we really have to look at what works and what doesn't because there Definitely. are differences, and 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 it's good Definitely. that there are differences. Yeah, yeah. And knowing you know, the things things that you wouldn't know researching anywhere else, but you would know from the local people, is things like jokes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the local jokes, uh, which come and go, and there there's some things that so there's a local event that happened, and then it created its own jokes um, and, and its own little lingo, uh, you know, mm-hmm. certain words that are used by a certain generation, especially the younger generation. Mm-hmm. So they they've created they create their own language, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. That you wouldn't know or find out by researching it anywhere except by actually from the local people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the local culture. Now, if we look at within within organizations, companies, I can imagine that for internal comms, it's also a, a crucial point. I mean, it, the managers are not always local. Sometimes, you know, you've got the the odd American or the odd European flying in and taking over and, and managing a whole department, what have you. Definitely. Um, again, there I can imagine that, and more and more we work with mixed teams. We don't only have we we could have an in, a completely international team. I've seen that happen in in other companies where one team, seven people, well, not one of them has the same nationality, for instance. Definitely, yes, that always happens. And you've got so you've got the, uh, people from different cultures. Uh, so you've got my culture, your culture. Mm-hmm. We work together in one company. And then there's the culture of the company that we work for. And then there's the culture of the host country where we are actually working. Yeah. So, and then you've got, that's where so many clashes happen. That's where the, the differences mm-hmm, happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where there are a lot of difficulties. And I, and I've seen that. I've seen that a lot. Um, and that's where uh, management really has to be uh, aware of this and intelligent enough to not think that, okay, we've got the culture of the company, 
So let's say we are an American company and therefore everybody is employed by us, the American company, so everybody needs to do it our way. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what your nationality or your culture is, regardless of where, which country we are functioning in. They try to do it that way and they do try to impose their sort of uh, best uh, practice. Best practice, yeah. Best practice in everything that they do. And then they realize that they've got problems. Mm -hmm. The morale doesn't is is affected. There are internal problems between the staff, uh, which affects in the end productivity and of course their profit yep. at the end, which is mm. the most important thing. Um, and then they start to realize, okay, we need to work on our corporate culture, or we need to. And they then they start to think about it when they start thinking about how are we going to fix the corporate mm-hmm. culture of that entity. And then they start to realize, okay. We are using certain words that are that mean different things to different people. Uh, one example that we faced while working with one organization uh, that was very uh, focused on, they did a whole staff survey. So this was a big organization and they did a staff survey. Uh, this was um, a, a multinational organization working in the Arab world. Mm-hmm. And one of the items on that staff survey was about um, uh, harassment, um, bullying and harassment. And it turned, the the rating on that was quite high uh, to the shock and surprise of management because Mm -hmm. they didn't know of any problems in that field. And then when they dug in a little bit deeper and actually talked to the staff, they realized that... um, The way that uh, certain members of staff, so local Arab members of staff, were getting feedback on their work Mm -hmm. from their foreign managers, managers, uh, they were viewing it as bullying and harassment because they were completely unaccustomed to that style of communication, the very direct, very blunt uh, style of communication where they would get feedback in front of their peers, for example, yeah. in a meeting in front of others. And that was completely shocking to their Arab culture and seen as uh, that they were intentionally being shamed uh, and that it was disrespectful, dishonorable, and they viewed it as bullying and harassment. Once they, yeah, once we actually worked on that and identified the problem, so it turned out to be that this is the way that you should give feedback in this particular culture. Mm-hmm. And this is the most effective way that you should talk to people and motivate them in this particular culture. So it, it, it was these little subtleties that made a huge difference the following year uh, in the staff survey. Uh, where, again, we think that we have best practice and that's the way that things are done. We take it for granted because that's our belief. That's yeah. our viewpoint, uh, what we think is the right way and the professional way, mm. which is not universal and doesn't necessarily work elsewhere. No, and, and it has to do with with very important things like motivation, uh, project management, uh, timekeeping, all these things that we... Uh, and again, your experience would be different than mine, and and mine would be different than from from Americans or Brits or or what have you. But that is what you see. Uh, I could think that a project needs to be run from A to B, and that time management is very strict on a project where mm-hmm. 
in other cultures it would be like well we'll get there but we'll see you know we'll take time to really analyze much more instead of you know going straight into the actionable things and and i can see that has a, a can have a huge impact on on a lot of organizations even mm -hmm. now that you know more and more we are, we are in an international environment yeah. definitely mm. definitely now um what is what is the your, what is the, the the thing that you most commonly use as a as a tip what what are the things that where, where does it all boil down to uh if you could say to someone a communications person going you know getting ready for an international assignment wherever it is uh asia south america europe <laughs> for the same instance uh what what would be the you know the the thing that you would brief that person on in, in, and that's of course a general thing because we're not discussing specific countries but what is the kind mm -hmm. of thing that you take with you i think i would start with the most important point to start with is understand yourself first, understand your own culture, understand your own point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, because then you would be able to actually see that, okay, I am judging this from my point of view. This is my values and my system and my belief systems that I am actually seeing things through that, through that prism. Once you first understand your own point of self-culture, your own worldview, um, then my advice would be really keep an open mind mm -hmm. as much as possible and uh, learn as much as possible before you go to that country about that culture, a little bit about its history, a little bit about its people and talk to the locals. That's the only way you are going to learn anything mm -hmm. is to talk to people there, um, ask questions, uh, get, be curious, approach it with a sense of curiosity. It is going to be different. Of course, it's going to be different. It might be difficult for you to accept certain things it doesn't mean that you are going to take them on it doesn't mean like it's going to be right for you but you need to accept that that is the way it is for in that culture mm -hmm. don't try to change it don't try to fix it because that's not your job you're not supposed yeah, to be yeah, doing that yeah, yeah. Uh, but the acceptance and it's it's like the chameleon it changes its color but its DNA remains the same. Yeah, yeah. So if I accept a, a certain trait or a value in a different culture, it doesn't mean that I take it on to be my own and it doesn't mean that I condone it or think it's right, but it's just respect. Mm -hmm. Respect is key to everything. Mm -hmm. It is different, but who said that I my culture is right? Who said yeah. that my point of view is right? Mm -hmm. Who said that my way is right? Yeah, and I think it's a difficult job because, first of all, it, it talks about introspection. Uh, that's very personal as well. But then, definitely, on top of and that's that, the most difficult yeah, part. Yeah. That's the most difficult part yeah. is to look inside yourself and to be really honest about mm -hmm. your own values and beliefs. That's not easy. And then, even on top of that, I'm probably of the country I live in and the culture and and all these things. But also, I bring with me a corporate culture of the company I work for. Uh, Definitely. So that is that is even another thing that I'm bringing with me as well. 
Definitely. I'm glad you brought that up because we we talk about something called self-culture. So everyone has their own self-culture, So which is an accumulation of all of the experiences uh, uh, that, that you went through. So, for example, I am a Jordanian. I was born in Jordan, uh, but I then was raised in Kuwait. I studied in the U.S. for a while. I worked with the British for a very long time. Everywhere I went, I picked up some of that culture. And in the end, so I'm far from just a typical Jordanian because I've got a little bit from the Kuwaiti, a little bit from the U.S. and a little bit from the U.K. and created my own self-culture accumulation of all my experiences Mm -hmm. so there's that's one thing that we need to be very very conscious of that not to fall into the trap of stereotypes uh, to really respect and understand that we don't deal with cultures at the end of the day we deal with individuals Mm -hmm. and each individual has their own experiences their own beliefs and values and their own self-culture Uh, which does not fall into a stereotype. Now, having said that, there are some generalities and there are some commonalities that do tie certain cultures, but then these are supposed to be guidelines only, only guidelines, but not to be taken as rules, and they're not supposed to be stereotypes. These are things that, this is something that we really need to be very aware of and alert not to fall into that trap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very dangerous trap for uh, communicators, definitely. Yes, definitely. Okay. Well, to close down, I have a question. What is the, your company is called, organization is called Yarnu? Am I pronouncing Yarnu. that correctly? Yes. It's an Arabic word meaning to aspire to, to look towards with calm and serenity. Ah, well, that's that's a great end yeah. quote and message then. Yes. Great stuff. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me and uh, discuss this very interesting topic on uh, Wag the Dog. And uh, I hope we'll uh, talk again soon. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, yet another great episode, I think, of uh, Wag the Dog FM. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, you know, or some of you know that I have uh, a certain feeling for uh, Morocco and the uh, Arab culture. So I, I found this really interesting uh, on how we look at people and cultures through our own lenses and how we can take that into account for uh, communication plans and also for our personal life at the end of the day. Hope you enjoyed it. If you like uh, what you heard, then please give us a review on uh, iTunes. You can find the Wag the Dog podcast on iTunes. It's very easy to uh, write a short uh, review, but for me, that is rather important. It uh, makes uh, sure that we're uh, on top of the uh, podcast listing and that more people discover the podcast. And uh, it's really a good thing for me to feel uh, the love of uh, of you people uh, liking this podcast. Uh, of course, if there are things that you don't like or you want to find another focus or you know people who I should be interviewing for the podcast, send me an email. Please leave me an audio message. You can do that through the website at onlineprtraining.com or simply going at wagthedog.fm. And um, don't forget, we're also available, or the podcast at least, is also available on Stitcher, which is uh, one of my favorite apps. In fact, it is my favorite app to listen to podcasts. Uh, You can download that to your device and then uh, manage your different podcasts with it. It's a great little tool. So um, the podcast is available there as well if you want to subscribe. And of course, uh, all podcast episodes and the notes 
the links to all documents reports that we mention uh, are on the website on the episode page at www.wagthedog.fm good i'm getting ready for another week and uh, you'll hear me uh, next week on monday as usual in the meantime do the right thing Keep the peace.